Welcome to another episode of the Into the Weeds podcast. As always, I'm your host, Grant, and I'm joined this week by guest Wesley Hill. In this podcast, we discuss Wesley's life, along with other oddities that we've noticed throughout both of our experiences. As always, I hope you enjoy. Like any spayed or neutered, because like their bodies naturally are producing hormones because they have their genitalia still attached and getting rid of those genitalia like lowers testosterone rates in like male dogs and all this other stuff. And so they're a lot less active of a dog if they would be before. And there's like direct correlation between dogs who have their genitalia still attached and like life expectancy than dogs that don't. But I mean, that's why you want to get your dog neutered is because they're acting crazy, and so you want to exactly snip to calm down. You could extend the dog's life by roughly two to four years. Two to four years, something like that. I mean, I kind of put that number out of my butt, but <laughs> but it's a podcast, so it's pretty accurate. It's it's got to be. <clears throat> Are we recording? Yeah, Heck yeah, yeah, dude. We're up. Uh... Yeah, everything's everything's. Hit me going. with your intro. I think I what's got your it intro? Pretty balanced. <laughs> the intro. Yeah, what's your intro? We just we just kind of start. Heck yeah, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, there's I edit in just a little <coughs> jingle at the beginning, but that's uh, that's all post. Can you sing me your jingle? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth a shot. <laughs> oh man, I haven't been on the mic in a little while. That's right, because yeah. you had uh, the old podcast. Yeah, the no-name podcast. The no-name podcast. Which I thought about bringing that back, because I'm actually like, because of the hunting industry, I'm actually talking to a lot more people, yeah. so I've actually been ne- networking with like really interesting people, but no one's ever heard of them before, so I thought about bringing it back, but then I'm also like, do I want to? Yeah. It's dedicating a lot of time. You come across so many interesting people in your in your life, and you have these incredible conversations, and yeah. you're like, wow, I'm going to remember that for a long time. Yeah. But then, I mean, typically after a while, you're going to forget. Yeah. But if you're like, hey, let's like hold that idea, and I want to have you on my podcast, and exactly. then you can have it forever. That's what Joe Rogan does, man. You're basically Joe Rogan. That's right. Yeah. Number one podcast. <laughs> this is the number two. Number two. What is what is the name of the podcast? Into the Weeds. Into the Weeds. Mm-hmm. Into or end, end of? Into. Into. Okay. Yeah. Because it's like we're getting... Into the... Okay, that's into cool. Into the weeds. Of, I like it. Yeah. People's lives. But not stuff. marijuana weeds. No. But that is what I wanted to talk about. Hit me with it, man. Yeah. So you... Uh, have had a very unique life so far and one of those unique experiences was growing hemp Mm -hmm. uh, which is not weed technically it is but technically it's not Uh, according to state laws of tennessee it is not yeah it is hemp yeah but by actually federally it's not just the state of tennessee so the hemp bill that was passed in 2018 was a federal bill it wasn't just the state of tennessee and then t- state of tennessee rewrote it and then put that in 
for the state of Tennessee. So 2018 was when they we were legally allowed to nationwide grow hemp. Okay. And then Tennessee rewrote that bill, or something along the lines. But hmm. it was pretty cool, man. And then you've kind of seen how it's like changed over the course, because I've been out of it for two years now. Mm-hmm. We had the largest indoor grow in the state of Tennessee. Y'all did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we had the largest indoor grow for about a year. I never got the chance to go out there. Dude, I wish you did. That was like... was it? I, and now I'm just imagining like this huge warehouse. Oh yeah, it was 285,000 square feet. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. We like I said, it was very large. It was a big operation, and we had three people running it. <laughs> that was it. We had three employees, and then uh, my dad owned it. Well, and, and you were an employee, but you were mostly like kind of the media guy, right? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I was kind of running the shots, which was interesting because my dad still has his other business going, and so he wasn't really able to focus full-time on both things. And so my dad was basically just like, I need you to run this, which was awesome. I mean, when you're 19 years old and you get handed literally a really large plate and a lot of weed. <laughs> like, of course, you you take a hump, hop onto the, the train for it. But it was interesting. It was it's like been frustrating to see where it's gone. Um, the but it's, or... Yeah. And it's also been interesting at the same time, like in a good way. Um The thing that was so frustrating was in 2018 when the bill was passed, there was a handful of people that were actually growing simply because people didn't know about it. Farmers didn't know about it. But over the course of two years, from 2018 to 2020, the entire market collapsed Hmm. very quickly, which was interesting because in 2019 when the word finally came out, you ended up having a lot of these very large, like, farming operations specifically people who grew tobacco in the state of tennessee switching over to hemp but what ended up happening was the amount of basically pot that was being grown diluted the market so much that it was impossible to sell it because you have one guy over here that's supposed to be selling their you know product for a thousand dollars a pound and then you have this guy over here because he grew 2,000 acres, he's able to sell it for, you know, $20 a pound and still make a really good profit. Mm. And so that was the problem we ran into was, you know, with being an indoor grow, we're able to sell it as a medical product, but with the average day consumer not being educated enough, knowing about the product and why it's valuable to have medical grade, it basically ended it. Mm. And so it was, it was just, there's too many moving parts and not enough time to be able to sufficiently grow the business. And so it was easier just to call it quits and move on to something different. When did y'all get out? Did y'all get out in 2020 or did y'all get out 2020 was like our official year of, of ending it. Okay. So we sold the building in 2020 towards, towards the end of 2020 is when we officially got out of it. And the... We sold the the business in general to one of the other partners that my dad had, and basically it was a buyout is what it was. And then they ended up, a year later, was able to sell the whole business to a company out of New York, which was good to see. Yeah. Um, but it just didn't make sense, you know? And also my 
I don't want to say religious views, but religious views in a way didn't line up with what we were actually doing. So that wasn't a help as well. Yeah. And so, but it was, it was fun. I really wish you were able to come up and see it. (laughs) Well, just all the stories that I heard, like, you know, there was like an office in there. Yeah. Uh, and y'all grew everything by like UV lights. Mm -hmm. So I just imagine it's like this huge purple. Oh dude. Like, so we had, (laughs) we had two massive rooms. Well, three, uh, two of them were called flower rooms. So there's two different stages, which I'm probably butchering this now because I haven't done it in so long, but, um, there's the flowering stage and then there's a vegetation stage. The vegetation stage comes first. And so you grow these plants to be a certain size and then there's this process called a flip and then you flip them into a flower. So the bud that people actually smoke Mm -hmm. and where CBD or THC is actually like made in the plant uh, is in the flower stage. And then you do that for eight weeks. And so we had these three massive rooms. One of them was really purple and one of them looked like the sun. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so bright. And dude, we were pulling so much power. I mean, the the electric bill, I remember looking at it every month and being like, how are we going to afford this? Like, it was on average around $20,000 just for the electric bill. A month? A month. It was insane. I, I shouldn't have been doing that at, 20, at 19. And y'all had the cops come by a few times, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and we leased space to the cops that was the best part did i ever tell you that no the the so the mcminnville police department leased ten thousand square feet in front of us the entire time we were there and they used that as like their base of operations that was their headquarters and uh and it still then, is or no they ended up uh the city ended up paying to build a whole new building okay. and so they moved out of that building but they they leased spe- space from us for about I would say it was like six years. So, because we owned the building before we got into him. So that made it a lot easier to get into it as well. Because you had the space. Yeah, we already had all the space. But it was interesting, man. Saw too many black cars with dudes with glasses that I never thought I would like just randomly see pull up and then drive away. There's been so many times. I'm not kidding you. I, I was getting so paranoid towards the end because we would have these random cars drive by. And, I, like, I'm talking blacked-out cars. And dudes with glasses would pull up, take a picture, and then drive away. It was the freakiest thing, dude. Kind of miss it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever find out, like, why? No. No, I still don't know today. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's the mystery to it, I guess. Just going to have to live with not knowing i'd like to but i mean they also thought that we were probably growing some hard stuff when we really weren't but got pulled over a couple times as well that's where i like slowly started to grow a hatred for cops for a minute (laughs) just the amount of times that we'd get pulled over and they'd be like you guys reek of weed and i'm like i'm telling you it's it's not technically weed (laughs) and just getting you know, out of the car, them searching the car, all sorts of stuff, man. Did you ever have, uh, like, hemp actually on you that oh, they yeah. found? Every time. <laughs> you kidding me, dude? I gotta, if I'm gonna sell the product, I gotta try the product, you yeah. know? <laughs> but it was funny. And it was hilarious, too, because my dad, like, didn't like smoking or anything. So, 
I'd be like, hey, Dad, try this. And he'd be like, I'm good. I'm like, but you sell it. Like, you got it. At least try it. He's like, nope, I'm not doing it. I was like, okay. It was just purely, like, a money thing for him? Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, from a business standpoint, it made perfect sense at the time. Mm-hmm. So just, like, and when you have the capital to be able to do it and buy everything up front, I mean, just based off of that, like, the assets in the building were worth however much money we spent just in power alone so it was like we were able to get some of the money back but you know it was still like pretty crazy but it was fun man at one point we had because we we started working with farmers towards the end of 2019 and um we realized that there was a lot of farmers that grew all this product but didn't know how to sell it Mm. and so we had the resource to to grab a hold of their product make a little bit of profit off of that as well, but help them sell it. And um, it was honestly like pretty rough. Towards the end of 2020, towards the beginning of 2020, like I definitely would say I got in a pretty like deep depression because I started to see how much of effects it actually took on farmers. Like a lot of farmers were losing like big dollars, more dollars than we were because they were buying this product not knowing whether or not it was going to grow right and half the time it didn't Hmm. and so it's like we would go up to a farmer they'd tell us hey we spent a million dollars on all these seeds and all of this stuff to grow it for this season and i'd have to look at them and tell them like hey this isn't good this isn't gonna sell and so i've like read some articles there was a farmer in kentucky that actually ended up killing himself because of it like Hmm. he spent like four million dollars on all this stuff and then he bailed it like hey and, the, and with hemp, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to let it dry like tobacco, like very breathable. You don't want it to mold or anything like that. And then some dude cut it open, cut the plastic bell open, and it was all molded, and it smelled like pneumonia. And the dude was just like, we're done. Like, this is it. So it was rough. It was fun at first, rough at the at the end of it. But where do you think the industry's going from here like has it gotten more standardized or i would say that it has gotten more standardized but i would also say that it's still very gray okay um i mean as far as like educating people which i don't smoke anymore but obviously when i was doing that i was um but like any product you see in a gas station it's definitely wise to try to stay away from because it's not regulated at all and that's been the biggest thing is we found a loophole in the bill. This would be easier to explain. We found a loophole in the bill, and basically the only thing that was actually illegal to grow was THC Delta 9. But in marijuana, there's a lot of a lot more cannabinoids that are actually, um, like, still get you high, like still have psychoactive properties. And so the, loop, the loophole basically said, hey, I can grow Delta 8, and that... It's still going to get people high, but it's very gray, if that makes sense. And so, if basically, if you see anything in a gas station, don't buy it. But if you go to, like, a smoke shop where people are actually trying to educate and, like, show, hey, this product wasn't grown in some dude's backyard in a lab, basically a meth lab, like, then it'd be okay. But even then, it's still kind of bad (laughs) why do you think so many people initially 
you know, like the the farmer you talked about up in Kentucky, why do you think so many people just jumped in uh, without actually doing any research, research or, yeah. or getting any knowledge about how it was supposed um, to work? Because, I mean, it's been, you know, and a, again, kind of hemp and marijuana yeah. are technically like different, different things. Yeah. But, I mean, marijuana has been legal in Colorado for close to a, a decade right so. yeah and i think the big reason why is because farmers farmers don't really look at the product they're growing um they look at the end result with cash flow um because at the end of the day every person that is a farmer is farming to make money if they're actually like not farming outside of a hobby but as a actual living you have to make money off of it and so the biggest thing I would say on why people didn't go in and do research was simply because they saw the profit margin difference between doing soybeans or corn versus hemp. I mean, with soybeans and corn, you know, it's like you can make $2, you know, ten, every 10 pounds, but you have to grow this giant quantity. You know, it's like instead of growing 100,000 acres, I can grow 1,000 acres of hemp and make the same exact amount of profit. But the bill was passed and a lot of farmers didn't realize what they were actually getting into. They didn't realize how different it actually was because a lot of people were just thinking, oh, I'll grow it like tomatoes or I'll grow it like corn. When in reality, it's a whole different ball game of, of farming. There's a lot more care involved with the plants. They're a lot more tender because it is a weed. I mean, one small thing is going to completely turn the plant over and we had that happen on our first batch where we were growing put a nutrient in it, nutrient in it that we thought was going to be good for it and it comes back and it actually killed half the plants mm. you know and so and then we have to start that process over again but that process takes eight weeks and so it's like we're already behind eight weeks in schedule and on top of that we've had to pay for everything already and so that's ultimately what ended up happening with a lot of farmers is got in the game thinking they knew what they were doing because they were already farmers but not realizing the education threshold was completely different so were y'all actually able to sell any of what you grew yeah we sold a lot um we actually got pretty lucky because of the fact that we had the building we had Mm -hmm. uh we got in with some pretty large uh cannabis companies which was actually really cool um and a lot of these cannabis companies that were out in colorado you can was the which they actually went out of business funny enough but um they were at the time the largest uh manufacturer for like medical grade cannabis and um they saw us as a potential um purchase basically and so they were thinking with the hemp bill being passed within a four to six year time, you know, marijuana would be legalized in Tennessee. At that point, it would be dumb of them not to purchase a business that's already up and running in that state. And so we got lucky is what we did with the building. The building was the main asset that allowed us to sell our product. But even then, we were still short of a lot of the money that we put into it and so trying to keep the business running paying paying three full-time employees and so on and every other expense with a business it just adds up very quickly 
especially when you have setbacks like your product dying in the middle of a grow because the whole process takes 16 weeks but vegetation takes eight flowering takes eight and so if, if it dies between those two you're set back eight weeks from where you originally started but it was fun it's fun while it lasted did y'all ever have uh i don't know if this was before that partnership uh but did y'all ever deal with like someone sketchy who oh, tried to dude. come and buy dude we had we had three people try to purchase us before like buy out the company buy out the company um we had a deal on the table honestly i've been very blessed to have the business experience i do at my age um because it's allowed me to not have to deal with these problems now uh we had a a guy come in and try to purchase a company from the front end and he offered us a very large check and we signed the contracts we were all going to get paid really nice like really nice i mean being 19 and walking out with that check i could have bought a house cash and um sign the contract the day comes for the first amount of money to come out of escrow and the money didn't clear and then two weeks later the second check was supposed to go through it didn't clear either and so comes to find out that the guy that was trying to purchase it was like completely fraudulent about his name and all this stuff since we signed all the paperwork he thought that he could basically work around the money and so we were gonna take him to court and uh we finally like got a lawyer involved and the lawyer was just like let's sit down with him and get this figured out so that you don't have to spend more money on this because you're not going to get any of the money that they already promised you this is just going to take more and so we got it worked out thankfully by the grace of god we got out of that situation but even then it was still a major setback and then we had another company come in try to buy it from us then basically same thing somebody else from colorado saying that they were bigger than they actually were and then after that we had the same exact situation happen from a company out of california so and then we're like let's just do this on our own and then eight months later we were like let's just call it quits <laughs> so but it was fun man it was a cool learning experience i would say if you asked me if i'd get back in the industry now i'd tell you no and i think it simply comes down to the integrity of the people in the industry and so I don't know. It's changed a lot, I would say. Do you ever see it becoming more professional than it is, or like? I do. Okay. Um, but I think it's going to take a long time, and I think it honestly, what I think it would take is the state of Tennessee to legalize cannabis as a whole, and not just hemp. Um, because even now with the loophole being, um. Even now with the loophole being with the Delta 8 variants, like you're able to sell those and still get high. Uh, even then, Tennessee as a whole is looking at changing the hemp bill to where that's illegal too. So, I don't know. Tennessee, I don't think, is going to legalize anytime soon. Hmm. Do you ever see Tennessee legalizing? I could see by more towards 2030. 
them going in that direction, I just think that it's always going to be at a standstill. Um, where you've got two parties that are for it but not for it, and there's it's going to be like very fine numbers where one person's going to say no, and that's going to be the final answer, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's been very interesting. You're not, better with the political stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> n- not only on the state level, but the federal level to see um, the uh, cross-political uh, divide of marijuana, because typically you would say, like, uh, you know, oh, when it comes to uh, abortion, mm-hmm. uh, just as an example, like, yeah. in the vast majority of cases you know, Republicans are going to be pro-life mm-hmm. and Democrats are going to be pro-choice. Right. Uh, and there are exceptions, but, I mean, just as a general rule, if you were going to stereotype, like... Yeah, that's that how would, it that would be. Same thing fit. with marijuana. Well, no, if you were going to do... But it's different in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, if you're going to do yeah. marijuana... The Republican Party's pushing it. Yeah. yeah. And, well, there is also some Democrat support, although... Mm. Because yeah. of the supermajority, it's kind of hard to yeah, to that. gauge where the party is at. But uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting to see in states like Tennessee it not be um, mm-hmm. this political politicized issue. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to say the least. I mean, I think I think in a a long term scenario, marijuana sooner or later will be legalized everywhere. But I mean, I still think that it takes a lot of education. And I think one of the big things, too, is educating the police is one of the biggest things. Mm. Um, I mean, the amount of times where I've gotten pulled over and they look at the product and the only reason I didn't get out of going to jail was because my story lined up. And they could call the police department at McMinnville and prove that it's true. I think that's one of the biggest issues in the state of Tennessee with hemp is you've got a lot of police pulling over farmers and arresting them hemp with hemp thinking that it's marijuana. And so I think with that being the case, which I don't remember where I was going with this, but... Yeah, I can't remember. That's all Whatever. Good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, police needing to be more educated because like when they pulled you over and they just assumed that like yeah just assume i mean two of the times they actually like assumed the worst and they were like bringing out drug dogs for fentanyl Mm. and they like told us that and i was like why would i do that i'm 19 years old (laughs) i was like i'm just trying to smoke a little bit of weed man if anything but yeah i think that's what one of the biggest concerns with marijuana is that'll always be an issue is just drug related arrests that are a lot smaller than the police report actually says if that makes sense yeah what was so you brought up um religious reasons was part of the the reason why you wanted to get out what what are those religious reasons, if yeah. you don't mind me asking? Well, I'm Muslim. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm, I'm born again, man. And uh, I'm proud to say it. And generally, the Bible does not particularly line up with those desires. 
and that's okay. The I think I'm in a really cool position where I can say, like, I enjoy marijuana, mm-hmm. and if it lined up with the word, I would do it, but it doesn't, and therefore it's wrong, if that makes sense. And so the Lord asks us to keep a sober mind, and that's what I'm going to do, you know. Um, but proud to say that I'm born again and not going to be going to the down under. So, With that being the case, do you see uh, the religious aspect um, coming more and more into the discussion? Because right now it seems uh, entirely focused on a scientific basis, which I think is why like a lot of states <clears throat> are making it, uh, you know, legalizing it medically. Yeah. But if it became more of that religious issue, sort of like we've seen with, uh, again, going back to abortion, mm-hmm. then it kind of opens people's eyes to a different perspective. Yeah. Um, I think as far as marijuana, uh, like we do live in the Bible Belt. So I do think that that does have a major role in it, um, which I don't think is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, I do look at it from a standpoint of is somebody is somebody going against the First Amendment? You know, I look at it from that standpoint. Yeah. Um, from a Christian standpoint, for myself, I look at it as this is doesn't line up with the beliefs I'm I personally go for. Um, but as like a political point of view, like I do think it should be legalized as long as it doesn't hinder somebody else, mm. you know, <clears throat> which we've seen that that's been a good thing, like in Colorado, where you still get charged with the DUI if you get pulled over and you're high uh, and so on and so forth. But, you know, it's like and you can still just like if you're doing some bootlegging stuff with alcohol, like if you've got too much marijuana in your car and you're driving, you can still get arrested for that, you know. Because, I mean, it is a crime. But, um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was in uh, Colorado, one of the many occasions where I almost got into an accident uh, is I was driving. We'd just gone uh, hiking. I was with a group from uh, a, the Bridger program mm-hmm. I was at. Uh, and we were coming back. And this person in front of me, uh, and, you know, I'd left some pretty good space, but just slammed on the the brakes and just, like, whipped over. And uh, it's because there was a a green cross, and he he pulled over to to get some some weed. And I just, I hadn't even expected, like, you know, that to to occur. Dude, that's funny. It was actually, so I was in Michigan two and a half weeks ago. And because it's legalized there, and I was just curious because I never actually went to a dispensary before, like an actual true dispensary. Um, and so I like went in there, and it was it honestly felt very professional. It was very cool to walk in, and then they like scan my ID, they write down all this information for their personal sake of like, hey, we don't want to get in trouble if this comes back. Like we have proof that you put this as your ID. I had to like make an account with them just to walk in. Wow. And then they had a whole separate door and then the the proper term for somebody that like sells marijuana to somebody is called a bud tender. And uh which is just funny. Instead of to a me. bartender, yeah, a, a bud, bud tender. tender. 
and uh, the a guy walked out through a door and then grabbed me and Michael and then we walked through a different door and then we could actually see all the product and so we like sat there and talked to him for like two hours and it was just very interesting because I ended up talking to him politically and he was very far right oh my gosh <laughs> very far right <laughs> and um we just had questions about it uh Michael had a question about having a a pistol in the car with the marijuana and he was like that's like very okay he's like as long as you don't have over i think he said it was like half a pound or something like that you're not going to be arrested for anything and all this stuff and then he just went on about being with the frogs being gay or something so (laughs) it was it was super funny but he was a big hunter too so i talked to him about that for a while but it was it, it felt really cool like i think if in the future, if it does get legalized and we do see this become more of the norm in Tennessee, that is what I would hope it would look like, where it was very, very professional and there was a lot of background stuff going on to keep everyone, both parties, safe. Um, it was cool. Hmm. But you were also in Colorado, so there's some cuckoo people out there, man. Yeah. There are. We, um, no, go ahead. No, no, please. I was going to say, we went and visited, uh, Station, my wife's, uh, friends. And while we were there, because they live downtown Denver, uh, there was a shooting the night that we got there at the core stadium. Oh, my gosh. And two homeless people were killed by a different homeless person. It, I was just like, what the heck? But made me a little bit thankful that I was in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I, when I was in uh, D.C. this time last year, there was a shooting uh, right outside of the, the Capitol Stadium. What the heck, yeah. dude? And then it was on the news, and what's crazy is I had been there the day before just like yeah. to watch a baseball game. And what then the heck, man? To see like places where I was standing you know, the day before on the national yeah. news was Yeah, and the funniest thing experience. is the next day we went to the core stadium to watch a oh, game. <laughs> yeah. It was open, no like no caution tape anywhere, nothing, man. But it was, it was Life interesting. just rolls on. Yeah, dude. Just like that. Yeah. That's wild. But Colorado's a crazy place though. It's like uh it's one of the states that has regulated water, mm-hmm. so you can only use so much water because yeah. uh, they're rationing. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of the professors of uh, the school I was at at the time, he had a house that was like the deed was one of the first ones, which meant that he got the initial water rights. And so basically, like, when he was buying the house, he was like, you know, how much water can I use? And the guy was like, I mean... You can use whatever you want, Yeah, like, (laughs) essentially unlimited. What the heck, Like, there is a limit. But for the purposes of, like, regular human consumption, like, you're good. (laughs) Daggone, dude. Yeah, we went on a hike while we were there. Um, And we went up... Oh, dude, it's... I wish Tennessee looked like Colorado sometimes. Just so I didn't have to move to the midwest but the um we went to a hike and we went up to a reservoir and i didn't really realize it but we like got to the top and we were talking to some other couples 
and uh, they were like, yeah, like, this reservoir, like, feeds, like, a quarter of Denver. I was like, what? I was like, and it's just sitting on top of a mountain. They're like, yeah, if this thing goes out, like, we have a big problem. I was like, that's good to know. So... And then you swam in it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I did swim in it. Jumped right in, man. Wow. Yeah, it was cool because we went in Sep. No, it was August, and we were looking up, and we the the hike was short. It was it was only about like half a mile up okay. to the reservoir. It was super short. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was like looking at the top of the mountain because the reservoir was below the mountain, and um. I was like, that looks like ice. And they're like, yeah, that's a glacier. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, that freezes over every winter, and that's what feeds us through the summer. I was like, what the heck? I just thought that was so interesting. And they're like, yeah, and if it gets super low, they'll have some guys go up there and, like, chip away the ice and just let it fall into the reservoir. Hmm. I was like, this is so interesting. Let it melt off. Yeah. uh, Artificially. Yeah. Huh. It was interesting. I gotta I gotta text my buddy and see what what that was. We need to go to Colorado, man. Go smoke some weed. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, it's been close to five years now. Uh, this September. Yeah, since you were there. Since I was there, or te- technically, I graduated in May, so it's been four years since. Yeah, May. Sometimes I f- I just forget that you lived in Colorado for oh, just over a year, or. Uh, under, well, it was a, so, school year, so about yeah. nine months, although we started in September, so probably eight, um, but yeah, it was like, you'd sit down in class, and then we had this big window, and you'd look out, and you'd see the mountains, and I distinctly remember on many occasions, I would literally just be sitting in the classroom and looking at it and be like, I'm not going to be able to do this, yeah, you know, for a very long time. Dude, like, as beautiful as it is, Colorado is a very depressing place. Mm. Have you, like, the school shooting rate in Colorado versus other states? Have you seen that? No. Uh, It's pretty pretty significant. Like, there's been a lot more shootings in Colorado than most states, which is weird to think. Yeah. Yeah, as well as just, like, shootings in general, there was, uh, and, and funny enough, in Boulder, specifically. Like, Boulder... The city of Boulder has had like I want to say it's six or seven shootings within the past ten years. Wow, like major shootings, more than ten people dead. Hmm. But what do you think that is? Is that because uh, Colorado, although it's been pretty probably within the last six to ten years, they've gone from a Republican state to a democratic, a, state. yeah, very staunch Democratic yeah. state now. Do you think that's like, do they already have harsh gun laws there, and so it's people coming from outside the state, or...? I think there's a lot of people moving to Colorado. Um, the thing that was interesting wasn't the fact that it wasn't beautiful. It's probably the most beautiful state, I would say, personally. Um, the thing that was interesting was the way people connected with each other. Hmm. It, Like, you can meet somebody here... And grow like a legitimately deep connection with somebody, but there, it's very different. If that makes sense, it's hard to explain. Like our friends that live there, tell us all the time about how hard it is to make friends, 
and the the friends that they have they talk about how hard it is to make friends and um we were thinking about moving there for a little while and when we went up there and visited uh we were just talking to people at a coffee shop and they were telling us like random people were telling us about how hard it is and how depressing it is because people don't make connections there Mm. and the other interesting thing is like and i can't talk about like Denver as a whole but I mean not Colorado as a whole but Denver the amount of people to the amount of churches ratio is like extremely significant Mm. Um, because it's like for every 20,000 people that live in the area there's one church and so there's just like a not there's not a lot of people going to churches connecting with people going to these gatherings connecting with people but there are also some pretty big churches in Colorado. There it's is. like Focus on the Family mm-hmm. is out. There is. Uh, I never got the chance to go, but uh, on my way to work uh, in Colorado Springs, I'd always drive past the mm-hmm. Focus on the Family yeah. uh, headquarters. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, that was one of the one of our kind of our big decisions on why we haven't decided to do it. Um, to move out there? To move out there was the fact that, like, connecting with people in specifically Denver is difficult through churches because there isn't a lot. And, uh, like the church that our friends go to, there's only about a hundred people that attend the church Mm -hmm. as a whole, but Denver as a city is massive, you know? And so it's like, I can get to church pretty quickly here and it takes me five minutes. If I moved to Denver, it was like a 35 minute drive and it's going to be hard to connect. And he said all the people there are, like, extremely old, which isn't a bad thing. But Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Into the Weeds podcast. I hope you enjoyed, and you'll come back for the next one. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>